많이 놀라셨겠습니다. 내가 그렇게 나쁩니까? Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Turay. And I'm back. Derek is back. Yeah, we welcome Derek back after a two-week break. The last two weeks, uh, non-Derek episodes are going to be put behind a paywall. Those are the premium episodes. <laughs> those are the premium ones. <laughs> I bring the quality of the show down. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just kidding, Derek. Welcome back. No, I was going to say, I wish I could give my opinions about the two things you guys talked about, but I was telling you guys, I still have not had the time to watch either Black Adam or finish out House of Dragons. Oh so my God. Hopefully in the future i can give my opinions on this i'm not surprised about black adam uh but <laughs> i'm surprised that you didn't watch the finale of house of the dragon yet it's hard it's been hard i've been trying to find time um well anyway tonight we are talking about park chan wook's latest film the romantic thriller decision to leave which stars park hale and tang wei uh, the film premiered this summer at Cannes, where it was in competition for the palm door and it ended up taking home best director for park chan wook so when did you guys see this? I saw it last night. Same. Saw it last night. Wow. So this is so fresh for you guys. Yeah. I had to rewatch it last night. I first saw it at New York Film Festival maybe like a month ago. Was it a month ago already? And it is a complicated, naughty film. And I'm really excited to talk about this movie. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about Park Chan-wook first? Uh, his filmography, what we've seen, what we haven't seen, uh, what we think about his movies? How familiar are you guys with Park Chan-wook? Got to admit, I'm more familiar with his name than his work. I saw Old Boy way, way, way back in the day when it came out, probably in 2003. But mm -hmm. I missed most of the other stuff since. I didn't see all of the Vengeance trilogy. I actually didn't see The Handmaiden a couple of years ago. What is that, six years ago now? I actually didn't see The Handmaiden either. So this is really just me coming back to him after, you know, almost two decades away. Oh, wow. What about you, Derek? Pretty similar, uh, me and you and Amir. I've seen Old Boy. Love Old Boy. And I think I've told this anecdote on the podcast before. I have seen half of The Handmaiden. I remember watching one half of it, having to stop for one reason or the other, and then I just never went back to it. Uh, so I've seen half of that movie. <laughs> that is literally insane to me, because The Handmaiden is like 
one of the best movies of the past decade. I mean, it was on my list for our uh, best of the decade episode. That's probably what I told this story. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I called you insane back then, too. Probably. Uh, I'm just going to reiterate. And I'll probably reiterate that. Yes, I didn't get drawn into that movie as much as I know you love that movie, Jeff. And maybe that's indicative of my feelings of Park chan I don't know. I think like Amir, I know his name more than I know his work. And mm. maybe he's just not the filmmaker that I'm just like completely drawn in by. And so have you liked what you've seen of his, Derek, then? I liked Old Boy. I have my issues with Old Boy. And like I said, Handmaiden, I totally watched the first half. And one I do like, and then one I I guess I've been finished, so I can't give you my full opinion on, right? All right. So kind of a mixed reception. All right. What about you, Jeff? You haven't talked about your experience with this director. I fucking love Park Chan-wook. <laughs> I think his stuff is great. I've seen a lot of his stuff. The first movie of his I've seen is JSA, Joint Security Area. Really? You saw JSA before seeing Old Boy? No, 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 no. Well, the first chronologically, like, oh, the earliest okay, movie okay, that he's okay. done, Old Boy, that was the first movie I saw okay, myself. I, was save. I filled in my blind spot on JSA a couple years ago. It's fantastic. It's really good. I've seen the entire Vengeance trilogy, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Sympathy for Lady Vengeance old boy, uh, like I said. And I've seen all of his modern stuff. So Thirst, Stoker, The Handmaiden, and now Decision to Leave. The only one I haven't seen is I'm a Cyborg, but that's okay. But I've seen most of his filmography. I really do like his stuff. I think The Handmaiden is one of the best movies of the past decade, like I said. And I fucking love Decision to Leave, too. It's incredible. Sorry, can I ask, is the quote-unquote vengeance trilogy is it an actual trilogy or is it no, like a thematic really. trilogy? it's thematic okay that's what i figured i'm curious is there like a best movie in that trilogy it's hard to say actually i think it's a toss-up between old boy and sympathy for lady vengeance i like sympathy for mr vengeance but i think it's a little more minor than the other two mm. but yeah i could go either way either old boy or lady vengeance Good stuff. I mean, you've already kind of given your thoughts on Decision to Live. You, you seem to love it. Uh, Amir, what did you think of Decision to Leave? I really liked it. I think it shot towards the top of my, like, best movies of the year conversation. Oh. There are some things about it maybe I didn't entirely love. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely up there. It's definitely up there with the best of the year for me. Sounds like you had some problems with it. Uh, Well, let me give, I guess, my general thoughts is that I think the craft of this movie is amazing. Like, I think some of the shots and some of the layering he does with the scenes, I think, is amazing. And technically, this movie is, like, brilliant, right? Like, maybe that's worth the price of admission for some. But I think for me, like, on a narrative and sometimes a character level, I couldn't entirely get drawn into this movie like i think there are a lot of the simplest way to say is like there are moments where like i think the narrative flourishes he takes leaves me confused leaves me a little taken out of the movie because i wasn't completely maybe understanding what was happening or what he was trying to have us focus on this movie's been described as like a romantic thriller and I think I like the romance part more than the actual thriller. Like, I think the detective story and, like, the mystery story of this movie is a little lackluster to me. 
Okay, I think we'll get into all this throughout the episode, but based on what you said, I will concede that this movie is better directed than written, Mm -hmm. I want to say. I will concede that point to you because I do agree with that. I think the framing of it as a thriller or a whodunit is a detriment to this movie. I feel like if you go into this movie expecting a satisfying noir-type mystery, then you will be likely disappointed. I think this movie works much better as a romance, and Mm -hmm. I think it's a mistake to go into this movie thinking, like, oh, it's going to be, like, I don't know, a Knives Out or something, you know? I will say, to the credit this movie, this may be one of my favorite endings of a movie I've seen in a long time. Definitely this year. So, yeah, we'll definitely get into that. But I I actually did really like the ending of this movie. Yeah, devastating ending, by the way. I Mm -hmm. love the Mm -hmm. ending, too. But, yeah, I mean, this was, like, hanging around my number three, number four spot. But, like, just watching it again, I think I'm going to put it, like, maybe number two. I love this movie so much. (laughs) And it's kind of like a surprise for Park Chan-wook, too, because I think, you know, this movie continues his thread of forbidden and illicit intimacies, which is, like, throughout his whole filmography, right? Like, JSA is, like, North Korea, South Korea, friends on either side. Thirst is, like, a vampire priest and a housewife. Old boy is a father and an estranged daughter. So fucked up. Yeah. And The Handmaiden is, like, the sapphic romance in Japanese-occupied Korea. You know, like, this kind of continues that thread. It's not quite as perverse or hyper-violent as his other movies. And I kind of like this new mode for him, the swooning romance that I was just really, really taken in by. Yeah, I agree with you. I think normally I'm the first one to sign up for hypersexualized, hyperviolent movies. I'm all about that, generally. But mm-hmm. I do think the restraint shown here was really, really powerful for the story the movie was trying to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I mostly agree with you there that the light touch on the actual explicit romance and explicit violence, I mean, you wait like two hours into the movie for like a single kiss, right? Mm-hmm. It's really powerful. I think it was a wise choice to restrain a little bit. To speak to what you both have said, like I did get pretty strong vibes of Wong Kar Wai movies, you know, watching this one. Yeah. In the mood for love. You know, there's not explicit like sex in those movies either, but it's like the sense of longing and secret love or like forbidden love, right? And I I, Mm -hmm. I did really enjoy that about this. What a lot of other people are saying about this movie is that it's Hitchcockian, um, Mm -hmm. especially like a comparison to Rear Window or like Vertigo, which I think are very, very apt comparisons. Typically, I don't like using other directors as adjectives for a movie that you've watched, you know? like Mm -hmm. I feel people overuse that kind of device, especially like Hitchcockian or like Spielbergian. Because they're such well-known, like, American directors. And, like, to apply that to, like, an Asian movie, a Korean movie, it feels like you're trying to westernize, like, appeal to Western sensibilities more by using that adjective. But here it actually, I think, it applies, and it's actually pretty apt to mm-hmm. compare to the movies of Hitchcock. I'm doubly apt, actually, because Park Chan-wook is a huge uh, Hitchcock fan. It, yeah. It's actually mm-hmm. Vertigo that made him want to become a filmmaker. Yeah, I think a legitimate comparison there. And I want to say Tang Wei probably gives one of my favorite performances of the year. She's so fucking good in this. Yeah, she Up is. there with Tom Hanks and Elvis. Just really. <laughs> <laughs> All kidding aside, I think she's this very inscrutable presence in this movie. She walks that like tightrope very, very well. I think 
there's quite a possibility to be too subdued or lean too far into the femme fatale tropes. But she walks that tightrope very, very well here. And I think it's an incredible performance. And Park Hale is good, too. He's fantastic, too. But Tang Wei is phenomenal in this. Have you guys seen Lust Caution, by the way, the Ang Lee movie that no. um, she's probably known for? I know that's where for? she's from, yeah. Yeah, one of the best Ang Lee films. She was banned from making movies in China for like a decade after making that movie. So, Damn. Really? Mm-hmm. Crazy. The Chinese government did not like their portrayal in that movie. and Wow. I mean, I was going to say, and maybe it's just me, probably just me. I agree with you completely. Tong Wei is great. I think she is the standout amongst the two leads. And not to say that Park Hae-il is bad at all. Like, I think he's really good too. It's funny because I like the romance part of this movie, but I actually don't think they have spectacular chemistry together though. I didn't feel like, and maybe it's purposeful, like that they entirely loved each other, that their relationship would work. As like two individuals, I think it's much more in like the looks, going back to that Wong Kar Wai feeling, it's like it was more in like the looks and like what we were being told versus the interactions between the two characters. I think in some regards that's purposeful. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, to give a little bit of a synopsis of the movie, this is basically about this Korean city's best detective who meets a woman who is so fucking hot that he forgets how to do any sort of police work. (laughs) <laughs> right? <laughs> Essentially. Park Hale, he's this detective, and he investigates this case where this mountain climber is found dead at the foot of a hill, and the suspicion immediately falls upon his widow. And from the first moment he sees her, he's completely smitten with her. It's about whether she committed the murder or not, but not really. It's about just this illicit bond that forms between them, and how it kind of, like, detonates both of their lives. That's basically the gist of the movie. Yeah, I think it's somewhat purposeful, the way they dance around their connection. And I think it's portrayed more through, like, the filmmaking than, like, you know, fireworks chemistry. Yeah. Yeah, I agree you don't necessarily feel a ton of heat, but you feel the longing. It's a gravity. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's not hot, but it's a tremendous pressure or force that's there. I kind of get what you're saying with it being a little bit cold with the dynamics being a little bit ambiguous but i don't know if i think that's to the movie's detriment yeah like jeff said i think it's intentional i think to the scene where they finally like kiss it feels like the movie's leading up to this moment where they in a way confirm their feelings for each other but like there was no catharsis to it other mm-hmm. movies like a kiss is a big moment where and i don't know if that was again like intentional or just like there's no chemistry it's definitely intentional because this romance is like ruining his life you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how cathartic or like good that's supposed to feel where mm-hmm. your entire life is in shambles because you're in love with this woman who may or may not be a murderer, you know? Who is definitely a murderer. Definitely a murderer, right? I mean She admits to killing people. And you know, that's why I say if you go into this expecting a who done it, I don't think you'll be very satisfied because mm-hmm. You know who done it. <laughs> even from the first act, even as they dance around, you know, her guilt and like the suspicions and stuff, I think it's pretty evident that she is a murderer, right? Mm-hmm. Which doesn't mean that she doesn't have her charms because she's like this caretaker for the elderly. There are definitely like tender moments and the buildup of this romance is just 
incredible. Like, a lot of people say, oh, every frame of painting, but, like, this movie really is every frame of painting. There's just some, like, phenomenal shots, flourishes, and visuals mm-hmm. in this movie. It kind of reminds me of Elvis, not as uh, sensationalist as Elvis, but, like, Hmm. A lot of showiness with, you know, like delirious crossfades, punch zooms, transitions. It's just a wild looking movie at times. Some of the overhead shots are crazy. Yeah, the overhead shots. It just looks phenomenal. So there's this one interrogation scene where I don't know if you guys noticed this, but they are sitting side by side um, or facing each other side by side in front of a mirror and one of them is in focus and the other is not but in the mirror the focus of the camera is switched did you guys notice that in the Ooh, interrogation yeah. scene i know exactly what we're talking about yeah it is fucking wild it's like something that no one would even pick up on like a regular moviegoer or something but like i saw that and i was like how did he do that how did like park chan wook and like his cinematographer do that at first i thought it was like a split diopter shot but it's not it's just like compositing they just shot the scene two different ways with different focuses and they composited them together with vfx and like there's no reason to do that to spend the money to put that in the movie for something that most people wouldn't even notice but that's just like the level of detail and care that i think went into this movie and it's just phenomenal you know what I'm talking about, Amir, right? You yeah, saw yeah, it. exactly. No, I know what you're talking about. And there's a lot of just, like, show-off-y mm-hmm. stuff for no reason like that. Like, even in the police station, when Tang Wei's character, uh, what's her name? So Ray. So Ray. Sang So Ray. Yeah, so uh, in the police station, when So Ray is brushing her teeth, and you're all the way in the corner of, like, the hallway of the bathroom, and you just see her in the mirror, like, all the way off to the side. Do you guys remember that shot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's just so isolated and so stuck. It's really real. I was like, why? Like, there's no reason to, to have to do that. Even going back to the shot, like Jeff was mentioning, uh, the interrogation scene, like, that's a straight profile shot. And it's a reflection, right? You're seeing a reflection of them. Like, if you actually think about it, the camera should be, like, right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you should so they have to like see the camera. They have to like digitally, digitally remove, remove it. Like, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a really cool shot. A lot of effort. I wouldn't say it's like for no reason. It's just mm-hmm. something that wouldn't be noticed by uh, someone who's just casually watching the movie, right? Yeah. But like it says a lot about like, you know, maybe the shifting power dynamics or just how maybe hallucinatory this whole experiences for the both of them, you know? There's, like, a, there's a lot, lot of things that. you can say. Jumping yeah. back and forth in time. Uh, oh, like yeah. people imagining themselves in one place and being shown there in the shot. And then, dude, like, that's awesome. Like the stakeouts, right? And no hand holding mm-hmm. on that shit at all. He just does it. Mm-hmm. And you just got to go with it. It rules. The color's brilliant, too. Like, um, I don't know if you guys remember the scene where Soray is putting him to sleep. Mm hmm. Yeah. How green that entire thing is. Like they're underwater. And she's talking about mm-hmm. him being a jellyfish. That stuck out to me so much, too. That color work. There's just so much in here that's just so gorgeous looking. And so many, like, tight close-ups of people's hands and their feet. And, like, just so many little details. And there's a great shot at the end, too. Like, it's like an overhead shot. Of the cars? With the two cars. And then, yeah. like, you notice the silhouette of the ocean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, the silhouette yeah. of the ocean, like, forms, like, a female face. I was like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> like, we can keep talking about, like, all the really cool shots in this movie. That's why I say, like, 
at the top craft wise like it, maybe it is worth the price of admission for me right that i just got to mm-hmm. see this really great technically beautiful movie mm-hmm. but i also did mention like i do have an issue with some of the narrative a lot of the stuff revolving around the murder mystery did she or did she not do it and like i think by the mid twist you figure out she did do it there's no denying that and then there's like a time jump we get thrown back into another murder mystery i think that's where narratively like it goes Story off the rails wise, a little bit to you. It goes off the rails a little bit. Like, I don't think you needed that. That second shift was a bit disorienting uh, at mm-hmm. first. I agree with you. And I was a little bit like, huh, I like lost thread. I don't know where this movie's going. And I think that could be a little bit uncomfortable. But I think by the end, I was back on board. But I get why that could have derailed you. Well, it wasn't like derailing. It was more just I thought the focus would then be like on the love part. Like this, are they or are they not going to like end up together, right? Or like, is this real or not? Right. Because I think there's like also purposely this is she just fucking with him or does she actually like love him? Right. Is he just going to be like her third victim? I think, I mean, I don't know. My read on it is that she falls in love with him right as it's clear that he's going to let her go and they can't be together. I think that's when she falls in love with him. At least that's what she says, well, right? I yeah. mean, that's explicitly said, right? Because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, when your love ended, that's when my love began. Yeah, that's what she says explicitly. Yeah. But that doesn't come until the end, right? That mid-turn, like, I was still very kind of like, is he going to be a victim? I never thought she was fully just fucking with him. I don't mm-hmm. know if that counteracts what she says explicitly. I never thought that it was entirely a, a mind game. Right. I always thought there was some real genuine intimacy there. Yeah, my take is that I don't think there was ever a question whether he would become like her victim. But I think the question in the first half of this movie is whether her infatuation comes with, oh, this handsome detective who suspects me of this murder is lavishing me with all this attention and whether I'm manipulating that or whether I actually love him. Mm-hmm. And I never thought, like, she was actually going to, like, murder him I mean, or other victims. I mean, Jeff, por quindo los dos. Like, I think it's both, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, I mean, you really don't have to pick one. I yeah. do think, to, I guess to speak for myself here, I, I do think I was a bit disoriented with the second half of the movie. Because, I, again, I didn't know where it was going. I felt a little like I'm floating in space and don't know where I'm going yet with it for a while. Um, I do think that that second murder is a little bit... I don't know. It's like a little too complex for its own good. Yeah. It's a little inelegant. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, all right. Like, it's too much. Like, her husband gets people to invest money and he kind of like scams them or loses their money. And so then one of those guys, uh, one of the people whose mother loses the money actually comes after him and eventually kills her or whatever. After his mother passes away of medical complications for which he cannot pay because she's given all her money to this, this guy. Right. It's very circuitous. It's like strangers on a train, but not really trading murders or whatever. Yeah. You know? yeah. But I think I do agree. I think um, this Park Chan-wook movie is a little messier than his others, which are more focused. But I do think everything comes together in the end. Yeah, I think that checking back in after 13 months and seeing this, like, hollowed out man is excellent. Mm-hmm. Totally on board with that time jump and what works there. 
I guess the other point that I don't know if I get is this. What is, for you guys, the sticking point in the romance? Why can they not be together at the end of that movie? He's a cop and she's a killer. He's a cop and she's a killer. Like, as simple as that, like, I think he does have, like, a moral... Like It's as simple as their nature being inflexible. I guess spoilers for the end of this movie. We're already getting the spoilers. I mean, she decides to, quote-unquote, leave this relationship and kill herself because she does love him. It would basically screw him, right? Like, if they find out that he helped her, I think in his nature, he can't be with her, right? Yeah, I agree. I think it's, you know, because of his nature as a cop and her as a killer, um, he's too inflexible to give up on that again, even though he's already broken his code once, right? He can't continually do that in order to make this relationship work. And so because they can't be together and she's still in love with him, I don't think she kills herself to protect him. I think she kills herself because it's the only way that they can be together in like a sick way right like yeah, she said she wants yes. to be his like another one of his unsolved cases just always on his mind she's like or always yeah. on his wall his wall of cases or right his yeah, wall. yeah. Wall, exactly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you can't have me no one will i don't know exactly how to put it or but if you can't have me you will always have me in a sense right like yeah, exactly. you know, my picture will always be absolutely there. which is like fucked up in its own way right <laughs> yeah yeah i think you have to remember that uh Hadrian, he's like a super cop right He's, like, the best cop in the precinct, and, like, he's always solving cases, so, like, you're supposed to, like, conflate him with, like, his dedication to the job. And there's this thread in this movie, I mean, I don't think they make, like, a huge sticking point of it, but the word is, like, shatter, right? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that he can't solve this case, that he compromised his profession and, like, his honor to have Sore get away with this murder... Um, yeah. You know, he gives her the phone with all the evidence on it. It's like, you know, throw it in the ocean and just sweep this whole thing away. And, like, it destroys him doing that. And that's the decision that she makes in the end to, you know, give the phone back. She doesn't throw it into the ocean. And she's like, open this case again for your own sanity's sake. And then that's when she, you know, makes the titular <laughs> decision to leave. Shuffle from this yeah. mortal coil. <laughs> <laughs> she does use the, the phrase decision to leave in another context, right? Does she? When they meet again, doesn't she say, oh, I made the decision to leave? Oh, yeah, yeah, like in the time jump or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't think that has the power of the final scene, right? Like the, the ending of the movie. Sure, no, no, no. But that's where they first do the title. Yeah, when they first do the Leo pointing beam. (laughs) Right, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Do we want to get into the actual ending? Some of the specifics and like what you loved about it, Jeff? I think it's like poetic and romantic in a very fucked up way. Incredibly romantic. Mm -hmm. Very novel way of killing yourself. I've never seen anything like that where you dig a hole on the beach um, when the tide's coming in and you sit in the hole and wait for the water to like wash over you and bury you alive in the sand. And there's something beautiful about just surrendering to nature like that and just being erased instead of, you know, just like hanging yourself or shooting yourself in the head, right? As fucked up as it is to say. It's also, uh, she does love the sea, right? <laughs> We've established yeah. that. It's also the ambiguity of it too, right? There's so much symbolism in this movie too. I think, like, the one recurring motif is, like, you know, the mountains and the sea. And then, like, yeah, you can sure. see that <laughs> in her apartment's wallpaper, where, like, you can either construe it as, like, these rolling hills or, like, these crashing waves, like this blue wallpaper that she has. There's that motif. Obviously, the mountain climbing, 
and then, and then her dying you know, her suicide see. at the end where she creates this mound right of like sand like you know what i mean the symbolism is definitely there throughout the movie which is i thought beautiful yeah so apparently a lot of people read that he dies too like what? he drowns oh, like shortly after the movie ends i didn't i didn't pick up on that, that at all i think he's supposed to live there and be just bereft and shattered. Like, I think that's, I yeah. think that's the intention, <laughs> is that he just lives on as a broken man. Uh, because even if he yeah. reopens the case or whatever, now he's lost her, so. I mean, that ending is just devastating, because he's, like, minutes behind her. By the time he ends up on the beach, he's, like, feet away from her, and he just has yeah. no idea. He right? can't even um, know. Which is why it's such yeah. a fucked yeah. up way to kill yourself, right? Intentionally to leave as little closure as possible. And then there's, like, the tragedy of you see him purposely go the other way first, and then he, he mm-hmm. goes the right way, where, like, initially, if he went the right way, like, maybe he would have found her. He was just minutes late. You have this feeling, um, mm-hmm. which is really also devastating. And, and he's, like, calling for help. He's like, oh, we oh can yeah. get people out here in time. We can still save her or whatever. It's like, clearly not. To pivot from the very ending, to kind of step back a little bit. I know this is a weird thing to get hung up on. When does his wife decide to leave him? He sees texts, right? From him to her? No, she gets a call from Sorey's husband's phone. Yeah, Sorey's second husband, he finds out that she's been texting Heijun. And mm-hmm. then he texts Heijun's wife about it. But she's already suspicious um, from the beginning of that time jump, right? Because they meet at the market where the two couples meet. Mm-hmm. She can tell that there's yeah, something the going on. So clearly fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I want to say that this movie, like, we're talking about it as like a fucked up romance and like with a tragic ending, but it is very, very funny. I think there's it's some pretty funnier funny than yeah. people give it credit for. Like, uh, I love all the bits with Heijun's partner where like, He's just not physically fit. He can't do any of the police work that requires, like, physical exertion. (laughs) When they go up the mountain in the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie where they're investigating Surrey's first husband's death, uh, Heijun is, like, walking up the mountain with, like, this electronic pulley and is just, like, (laughs) just carrying his partner on his back, Mm -hmm. like, on this little contraption. It's a very, very funny image and like the whole thing with like the premium sushi box is hilarious i love that yes yeah he's like oh whether we can like expense it or not it was um, like, hey, is that covered? Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it's very very funny uh, i was gonna bring this up is that it's part thriller it's part romance i think the comedy was funny i felt like it was leaning a lot into comedy i understand like a couple moments here and there like to kind of break the levity but i did find myself there were moments where like i think he was going for comedy and it just didn't work for me and, like, I don't know if he was trying to do too much with that. Kind of mess with the tone for you a little bit? Kind of, yeah. I think it takes me out of the movie a little bit, where it almost felt like it was trying to become also a part comedy. I never felt that yeah, at I all. I get what you're saying. Didn't bother me at all. Mm-hmm. I understand your point. I didn't feel that at all. Yeah, I thought all the comedic bits were pretty natural for the tone of the movie. I didn't feel it to be, like, totally jarring or anything. But, yeah, I mean, another thing that I really liked about the movie is it's portrayal of technology mm-hmm. especially like texts and screens and i think a lot of like modern movies have issues depicting that stuff in interesting ways where it just makes things feel either stifled or like just instantly dated but here i think it's great it's like pov shots from like behind the screen close-ups like faces lit up by smartphones and stuff it, it works really well 
I think he does interesting things with the lensing of technology here where it doesn't feel as stale as it can be sometimes. Yeah, like technically. And also even in terms of the plot too, technology is kind of seamlessly yeah. incorporated into like the murder mystery part and, and also into the tragic yeah. ending where he's tracking her on the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also seamless in a plot way too. And you know, like Tang Wei is Chinese and that figures into the plot too. She's like a Chinese immigrant in Korea. And I mean, she speaks Korean for most of the movie, but like when her Korean isn't good enough, she uses like a translation app and you get a lot of like little misunderstandings and like, are they misunderstandings or are they like, you know, veiled in missions of guilt? You don't know, right? I think it's right. that's very, very poetic and fun little beats for the movie, which I really, really did like. I like where some of the romance comes into. I like the moment where she says to like say it in Chinese, right? And he does. Like, I think those are the moments Dude, that, like, that I think- is that is some fucking down bad shit, man. Finding like his, <laughs> like, his little, like, uh, intro to Chinese dictionary or whatever. is mm-hmm. like, oh, dude, you're so fucked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like he was fucked when, he, you know, she finds him, like, sleeping outside her house, right? Like, that could conceivably be some stakeout shit, right? It doesn't, that doesn't, yeah, 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 yeah. But you shouldn't get caught, right? Like, <laughs> that doesn't have to be creepy stalker, I'm in love with you stuff. The dictionary is like, woof, woof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, maybe he's just trying to understand her. She speaks in Chinese, so he can catch her in the act. <laughs> I said this online and stuff. I was like, this movie is just like all the visual flourishes and everything. It's just like the cinematic personification of being down bad, right? You're just really down bad for this woman. Mm-hmm. And, we talked about this before, but I think the restraint from being, like, too erotic or sexy yeah. is to the film's benefit. Absolutely. Um, I think without, like, sex or even kissing in this movie, Park Chan-wook just finds so many creative ways to, like, portray sensuality and, like, this intimacy between these two lost people. And some of it's, like, so romantic. Like, when they're at the temple with the umbrella... Um, sharing that moment, and then they have like the lip balm, mm-hmm. just all these stolen glances from Going into his touches. pockets, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was wondering, like, are they fucking, and they're just not showing us this because they were so head over heels, right? Yeah, they yeah, were yeah. so intimate. I was like, this is the intimacy level of a couple who are super duper duper deep in love. I think one of my favorite things about this movie is that I don't think they actually say "I love you," right? They don't actually use the words. I love you. Well, they do, right? In this film, uh, you know. It, no, but that's it, like a narrative point where they, she says, in like, the Princess Bride, I love you is as you wish. And in this film, it's take this phone and throw it into the ocean. <laughs> yeah. 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 But that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not like your typical romance movie where, like, two people, like, realize they love each other and, like, I love you. Oh, I love you too. You know, it's like, I love the moment where, like, narrative, she's like, you know, it's the point where y- you told me you love me. And he's like confused. He's like, I didn't yeah. actually tell you I loved you. I don't remember ever seeing those words. And then it's like the recording where like, you know, throw the phone away or whatever. You know what I mean? So like that in itself, it's like super romantic and it's super unique, atypical to like a quote unquote romance movie. Definitely one of my favorite things about this movie. And this movie is just very tactile. Like it explores like all the senses, right? Like your mm-hmm. touch, taste, hearing, all that stuff is just like amplified through this intimacy between them and i just think that's so clever and like so well done in this movie and i also like to a certain extent the secondary 
investigation that ends on like that rooftop. Heijun's got like this chainmail glove to like. Yeah. Yes, I was. I want to talk about the chainmail glove. That is so awesome. It's so fucking cool. Have you ever seen that before? I've never seen anything like that. And I like that Soray's in there too, right? Like she's watching from the car, and she's like kind of getting all hot that like he's confronting this criminal on this rooftop. She's like looking through like this grill of the fence, and like her blinker is on, and it's causing the whole thing to light up in like this grid. It's really, really uh-huh. cool looking. The whole thing is just beautiful. So this guy I follow on uh, Twitter, Vice Victus, he's like, uh, "That seat is wet." <laughs> I saw that one too. I was gonna bring that shit up. This is mad funny. Wait, what did he say? That seat is wet. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he says, uh, uh, here we go. Park said he chose to pull back on explicit sex and violence, yet he still made one of the illest scenes of the year as Detective Nice Guy whips out a chainmail glove to fight a knife-wielding thug while the seductress watches from afar getting her car seat wet. (laughs) (laughs) That's excellent. Yeah, chainmail glove, awesome. Never seen anything like that. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that. Really cool. We've already kind of talked about it, but I even love the foot chase before it. Yeah, there's great. like comedy in it, but then like this guy not giving up, you definitely feel like him getting tired, tired. And, then, and then to have yeah. to go right into a fight. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. There's some good overhead shots of his like deputy like gassing out, not being able to make it yeah. all the way up. <laughs> he's like so <laughs> complaining about how he's like in pain, like on the stairs. It's hilarious. And like the score is fantastic mm-hmm. too. I really like the music in this movie. Um, I think the score is by uh, Jo Young Wook. That's the name. It's like the sweeping baroque brass in this movie that's like really really distinct yeah i I love it it's great all right well is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up no not really i mean i just i i I don't know if we did the movie justice uh but i would say really everyone should go watch this this is one of the best of the year i thought i really enjoyed this again i did enjoy my time technically and and just visually a really beautiful movie i do have my issues with it but i did like this movie a lot and Jeff's number two currently. But we'll see. as We get two more months in this year, right, Jeff? Yeah. Avatar, Way of Water. Maybe that'll creep up in there. But yeah, this is number two for me. All right. Well, if that's all from you guys, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com where I reviewed this movie. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram. What about you guys? I'm dying on a hole in a beach. What about you, Jeff? <laughs> 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 you can find me at the world's okay's photos and screen nations guild on instagram but if you like this podcast the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts whether it be apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher or any of the other popular podcast apps if you're listening to us on apple Podcasts or spotify please do us a favor and give us a great rating it really helps to get our podcast out to more people yeah if you have any questions comments suggestions on our episode on park chen wook's decision to leave Feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting listener mail. Sometimes we read it on the pod. And with that, we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.